here uh, on borrowed time. We don't know when we're going to go. Today, between services, I have to run back to Manhattan Bible Church for a funeral. And, the, and it's amazing. I didn't tell them to do it this way, but their time, 3 to 5 is the funeral. Well, that's the only time I could have done it because 6 o'clock I, I have to teach a, a, uh, the seminars. Just to give you an idea about the seminars, that um, I was invited to go to Chicago to speak at Mass, which is the Muslim American Society. I thought it was only 2,000 leaders. There were 6,000 leaders there. Muslim leaders. I'm talking about Muslim leaders. And I got a chance to share my testimony. I got a chance to preach the gospel in a very creative way. I want to show you how I did that. Uh, and then uh, some of my real close friends, the president of the Muslim Clerics of America, Abdelazim, and then uh, Ali Karti, who is the Minister of State and Foreign Affairs of the Sudan. These are the guys in the north in Khartoum. I've been there. I've been to Darfur. I've been able to share the gospel with all these people with no reservations. I want you to understand. I don't go there tippy-toeing around. Oh, you know, what am I going to say? Front and center is who Jesus is, what I believe about Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, how he died for our sins, how he was buried and rose from the dead, and I share my testimony. And these guys are intrigued by how God works today in practical ways, and especially how Jesus and the gospel have worked through my life in a holistic way. Because we have churches, we have schools, we have a drug rehab, we have homeless programs, we have camps for inner city kids. I'm involved in a lot of stuff. And they constantly say, how did you do this? And, and I, have to, I have to just give God the glory because there's no way we can do any of this. I come back here year after year and I'm like, this is incredible what God is doing here. Amen? Come on, let's give Jesus Christ the glory. For Bethlehem Sunday, what God is doing here. And uh, your pastor and, and uh, what's going on here, planting churches, supporting missions, doing the kingdom business. It's, it's just awesome. It's awesome. It, it, it challenges me. I, I'm thrilled that uh, Steve, you know, he, he's such a hip pastor. Look at him. You know, when I first started and I met him and the two of us started playing some guitar together because I'm an old rocker from back in the 60s and uh, we, we just had so much fun and I thought, man, I wonder what kind of pastor he is. He is, he has elevated from here in my mind to here to here, right there, way up on top. As a man of God, as a preacher of the Word of God, I've heard him preach. I've heard him teach at the conferences we do together, at the Concerts of Prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the board members of the Concerts of Prayer. I've been around the city for a long time. This year is my 40th anniversary for New York City and Manhattan Bible Church. I can't believe it. We started our church in 1973 and incorporated in 1974. And uh, my wife is here. Vicki, would you stand? This is Vicki. She's also my girlfriend. And uh, she uh, had a birthday yesterday, so happy birthday again today, honey. We love you. And we've been together since we were teenagers. We met at the Central Park Zoo, and we've been, uh, you know, acting up since then. And we were 16. We were 16. I was a drug addict. I was, on, I was a rock musician back in those days, and uh, we lived together before Christ. And uh, Christ changed my life, and I want to tell you a little bit about that because... I want to talk about Yahweh, that song that, I mean, it was no accident that they planned that song, and I had no idea that what they were going to sing, but my message today is going to be about Yahweh, and you'll see how and you'll see why, and, uh, uh, but I was really, really freaked out, I mean, I was on drugs, I took so many, you know, hits on different things, uh, they, they had to tie me up in a straitjacket and put me in a mental institution, uh, I was for three years every day high. And uh, I was the drug dealer on my high school campus at George Washington High School. I grew up in Washington Heights. And I, I was born in, the, in, the, in Thessaloniki. You would say Thessalonica. The proper way is Thessaloniki. I'm from there. And, uh, and uh, Thessaloniki is my hometown, First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, that was written to my hometown. Isn't that amazing that I can actually go back and visit the place where the Apostle Paul went, and he went through the, the gate is still there, that he came into the city, and there's the old wall on the left. You could see it all the way down to the, uh, to the, uh, 
to the bay and it's just incredible that these ancient cities are still there Philippi and Corinth and Athens and I've preached to you know I speak in Greek and preach in Greek and I go to Greece last year I got the opportunity to preach the gospel on television to a half a million people in Greece and the, and the bishop there are eight bishops in Greece the bishop of Alexandrupoli which is the northern part of Greece right next to Turkey he came to our event we had 350 people going out evangelizing with the New Testaments we bought New Testaments cost us over three hundred thousand euros we're talking a lot of money we are paying to tell the world about the gospel we are bleeding we are preaching we are serving we we get to do this it's not like oh boy we gotta what a joy that we get to do this for Jesus for Yahweh and, and so I was there and the archbishop we the, he heard about it we called him we talked to him he came in and had breakfast with me can you imagine now there are eight bishops of, uh, he was not the archbishop, excuse me, the bishop of Alexandrupoli. And there are eight of them, and he was over the northern section. He comes to our meeting, walks in, you know, in his regard, all, all robes and beautiful. I mean, the guy looked good, you know. And he comes in, we had breakfast together, and what a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous time I had with him. And he comes in, and we're worshiping. I mean, we're worshiping, you know, in song, and he's walking around going like this. Because he never heard anything like this. Because, you know, in the Greek Orthodox Church, you know what it's like. Come on. Beyond. If I had the robes, you'd think I was the Pope. The Archbishop. Amen. And then they, they kind of Gregorian chant wise will tell the story O Jesus Christos of the Nazareth Pie sta Jerusalem So they would tell the story in this kind of a uh, Gregorian chant very pretty very melodic of course my voice is not that hot right there <coughs> but uh, you know he comes in and he hears this simple Greek modern Greek of we love you Jesus and he's like blown. He says, you mean all these people paid their way to come here to go out and give these books for free and put them on the, the, the houses? Our plan is to just put it on the doorstep. You know, the, the, it says, uh, a gift from God. God loves you. You know, and there's a New Testament hard copy so they don't throw it out. I mean, it cost us money. It, there was an investment there because this was the strategy to put it on the door, to let the family take it inside. We didn't want to get into confrontation outside. Then after we do that, then we go to the mall, uh, wherever the mall is, the cafe, the cafe, where everyone's hanging out, and then we share the gospel there with the people that are sitting around. So this was our strategy. And we visited 105,000 homes. We went to the, listen, there's one section of this place, there's one section in Alexandrupoli, which is all Greeks that only speak Turkish. And they're all Muslims. 17,000 of them got it in Turkish. They were all Muslims and not one of them was rejected. Not one New Testament in Turkish for the Muslims was rejected. See, the fears that we had, we were praying and, oh God, we don't know what we're going to go through. They were looking for something like this. Oh, we got all kinds of fears, but we go out to talk to people. And God is preparing them. This church has been prepared, but the communities that you come from have been prepared. <coughs> what a, fa a fabulous stuff is going on. So I'm not just preaching about evangelism. I'm leading the march in Greece. We are going into Angola prison. I have tapes I'm going to have here tonight that I've, we've uh, created. My organization, City Vision, called the Angola Revival. And they're going to be available tonight. There are four DVDs. I know you guys like videos. Well, you come and grab a... You, they're not for sale. They're not for sale. But the Lord allowed me to put this together so we can get them in the hands of every chaplain in America so that they could show them to the inmates. I go down to Angola prison and do Greek word studies in the seminary. There's a seminary inside the prison. There's a seminary inside the prison. The largest prison in America, 5,300 
inmates, 18,500 acres. It is an incredible place. There's a revival going on because 19 years ago, the word of God went in there. They started having a Bible school. And as a result of that, half the prison has come to Christ. No cursing. No cursing in the prison. Can you imagine going into a prison? And, I mean, it sounds better than my Christian day school. I'm telling you the truth. I mean, I'm like, wow, no gangs. Oh, yeah, there's some gangs, but they're run by pastors. They're called churches. <laughs> it's the truth. And it's just incredible. So I go down there. I'm involved in going into Indonesia. Been there five times in the last two years. I'm going to Uganda, and I want to show you a video from Uganda. My wife and I just got back about three weeks ago, and our goal is to give seed, corn seed, to 80,000 widows. And this is the first distribution that we gave to 3,400 widows in the northern part of Gulu and Lira and uh, preached the gospel to them, the seed of the gospel. About 1,700 of them trusted Christ. And I'm going back in May. But listen, look at this video just to show you. This is, I'm not just preaching it. I enjoy it. This is fun. It's good stuff. What God has called us to do. What they're singing about, God is so good, He loves us, and He's taking care of us. Oh, God is so good and so loving. We love Him. They have 15 pounds, about 5 kilos of corn seed, which reproduces 400 times. Now they're going back into that whole region to get their little garden, plant the seed. They have two harvests a year, so they can make about $1,000 a year, have enough school fees and clothes and food and take care of the seven, eight, nine, ten orphans that they are taking care of. This is real hope. You can see that in their face, the joy, the love, the hope that they have. Because now you're empowering them to be able to take care of themselves, their family, and other people. And everybody works. This year we're going to reach 80,000 of these women. Not only with the seed, but with the gospel. That, the seed gives us an opportunity to share the gospel. That first feeding, we had about 3,400 ladies. And we're going to give out 80,000 widows will receive these bags. There's a, there's a, a donor has given um, close to a million dollars each year to be able to buy the seed. And uh, that's the brother of the guy that started this ministry. He's a friend of mine. And through this terrible tragedy in uh, the Hurricane Sandy, he called me up while he was driving to New York. said, Tom, uh, I got to park this RV and this big trucks. And do you know anybody where we can, uh, you know, park this? And you remember me? Uh, you met me in 9-11 and I brought 250 kids to New York City. They stayed with your camps upstate. We did ministry. And so I'm trying to think. I mean, that's a long time ago. And so I said, oh, yeah, I finally remember because this guy was the pastor of the Columbine shootings. He was the pastor that did the funerals, and the girl, Casey, was from his church. They were in his youth group, those kids that got shot. But he was also ministering to the kids that did the shooting and their families. And, of course, a lot of the people in the church didn't like that. They didn't like that. Well, what are you doing with those people? You know, they, they killed my cousin or my friend or whatever. You know what? God's called us to be, uh, to, to love our enemies. 
hasn't he? You know, people that are going to kill us. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he got so burnt out, he just left the ministry there. I mean, think about this. A church of about 3,000, 2,500, 3,000 people that he built from scratch. Beautiful church. Steve is just amazing, man. And this guy went to Uganda. And that week, while he, uh, he came and stayed at Dan McAldo's church, has a lot of space. They got 23 acres out there. And I preached there uh, last week. And uh, Dan McAldo uh, said, sure, you know, we got people coming from everywhere. They put their RV and the, another truck, huge trucks. With, um, the, the, the holes was this big that was sucking out sand from the basement. I mean, it was a big truck, you know, nobody had one of those. We were in there a few days after it happened in Breezy Point, and uh, we were able to witness to the people there. He did 26 houses while he was there, fully cleaned them out. Now, I know your church has been involved in so much. Steve was telling me, your pastor has been telling me about it. It's so exciting, but this guy drove three days with his wife and mother-in-law to come and help. And, uh, and they didn't charge him for any of the tolls or anything. I mean, they charged me, though. No. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, Friday I took him out to Little Italy, have some food. And he says, why don't you stick around? Where are you going? I said, I got to go to Uganda. And then he told me what he's been doing since 205 in Uganda. Working with, he built, his brother and him, they've built hospitals, they've built hospice, they, they've gotten involved in so many areas. And finally, this one area was the best. You help the widows, they will take care of the orphans. Because they are empowered now to be able to not only take care of themselves, they make 15 cents a day right now. But with this, with, with giving them seed and helping them, just giving them a little bit of resources, they can make $1,000 a year. Big difference. They're becoming now the middle class. The widows in Uganda are looked at like, like lepers. We don't want you. They're the, in fact, when a woman becomes a widow, the fa family comes in and takes things from them. They're like, you know, they're nobodies. They're the problem in, in the society. It's a cultural thing. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But we, uh, the believers come along and there's a great opportunity to visit, not only to go and see, but to see how you can help. That's what compassion is all about. When Jesus' ministries came out of compassion, the Greek word is esplachnise, his inner bowels were moved with compassion. With compassion, the Bible talks about that in affection to the point of doing something. And that's what uh, Dave McPherson did, and he invited me to go there. I challenged him. I said, what are you doing with, are you preaching the gospel? Are you, do you, are you working with pastors? And, uh, and, and his wife said, they, of course, the answer was no. And his wife said, well, maybe that's why God wants you to come. I said, I'm there. Because I was praying for doors to open in third world countries for me to preach the gospel. 80,000 people, that, I'm there. And what a joy to see about 15, 1,700 ladies have accepted Christ. And it's just this last trip, my wife and I, I call her the rock star now because she, when she got out of the car, they took her, they started screaming, and they started passing her, you know how they do? And she's like, ah, Tom, what are they doing to me? It was really funny. But uh, she was just, you know, and then she was able to share with them the word of God. It was a really incredible trip. But we're commanded to go everywhere, aren't we? You know, and God has allowed me, after so many years in New York City, planting churches. We, you know, we've got all kinds, just like you guys, we have other church plants now. And, and, uh, and we have a school with 385 children. And we have a, uh, a homeless program where Jewel Jones, his wife, just passed away. And we're going to go back and do that funeral today. They have had their 25th anniversary this year. He's going on 26 years. And they fed over a million meals. I mean, it's an incredible program. Incredible. Monday through Friday, uh, you know, sometimes 100, sometimes 200 people coming through. Every Thursday, about five, 600 people uh, in the pantry coming through, families. And uh, we've been involved in all this. We have a drug rehab upstate New York with 40-bed facility, with uh, just a wonderful, wonderful upstate uh, by uh, Kingston, right south of Kingston. We also have a camping program with 175 acres. Some of you have been there. Some of the men have been there, and God is going to restore that. But three years ago, two, two things. Number one, when I was a teenager, as a rock musician, I was so freaked out on drugs 
I, I lost it. I mean, they had to tie me and, 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 and give me shock treatments. And for three days, three years, I was high every day. Marijuana, opium, hash, coke, LSD, heroin, the whole thing, everything, okay? Now, how many, you know, some, you, some of you guys remember what it was like in the 60s. But they say if you remember, you really weren't there because we're all stoned back in those days. We really don't, you know, how many of you kind of remember? Let me see your hands. Anybody? Kind of remember, okay. Yeah. How many of you actually don't remember? Let me see your hands. You know, you were there, but no, honey, you weren't born yet. You know, but I'm saying there are things that you've lost contact with. You know, you've lost contact in your, in your, in your emotional memory banks because you want to block things out. But you know, I remember being so lost that I was walking around with a cross after the mental institution and I was walking around thinking I was a reincarnation of Jesus Christ, just totally freaked out, on drugs, demon possessed, and going, leading hippies back in 1968 in Lake George. I left, I hitched up there, and in the woods, in the woods, I'm screaming out to God, I am me, I am like that, I'm crazy. Just nuts. I can remember that like it happened yesterday. And God sent someone to talk to me. On the streets of Lake George. They arrested me in Lake George. And then they sent someone to talk to me. And, and he said to me, because, you know, Jesus was arrested and he was in jail. So I figured this happening again. So, and, and I got out of jail. I got out of jail and I, wa I was standing at the corner. I was standing at the corner and I'm thinking, man, I'm so lost. I don't know what, where did I come from? What am I doing here? Where am I going? And somebody comes up and says, can I talk to you about spiritual things? Now I'm thinking this was the devil because I was Jesus. <laughs> you know, I said, are you the devil? He said, no, I'm Bruce. My name's Bruce. <laughs> so it kind of brought me down. And then he sat me on a bench and opened up the Bible to John 3.16 and began to proceed to tell me God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life this is Greek that's how it sounds in Greek that's why they say it's all Greek to me you know and um, and so that was the beginning of the gospel coming into my life. He invited me to a place called Word of Life where I, where I heard the gospel. I thought he was taking me to paradise. Then I thought he was Jesus. And I'm like, I'm going with him. I'm still high. You have to understand. And then I get to this place called Word of Life Island. The guy that met us at the, at the dock had white hair. I thought, there's God the Father. I went, to the, I went to the cabin. There were 12 guys there. I thought, I'm with the apostles of Jesus. I can't believe this. It was kind of, it was amazing. And, and uh, but to make a long story short, I, I, I accepted, I trusted Christ. I brought my, uh, my girlfriend was back in the village. I told her to come up and she got up there and I introduced her to Jesus Christ. You know, you know what evangelism is? Just loving the people that you know around you and telling them that God wants to forgive them. That wants to save them, wants to change them. That you care so much that you have to say it. And so I'm talking to her. She started crying. I said, what's the matter? Cut it out. And she said, well, I feel so guilty. I said, well, that's a good thing. And then I continued. And she, she trusted Christ, and we stopped living together. And then we went to Bible school, and then we got married. And we've been here for the past 40 years together, serving the Lord. This year, this year it's our 42nd anniversary huh, uh, of marriage. Uh, so we're going to take our 40th anniversary vacation in Hawaii because we're a little late because we, we haven't had a chance to take a vacation. But I'm going to take her, Lord willing, in June to, to, to just let her know she is the love of my life. I love you so much, honey. You've been my real friend. Super. She's Italian to boot. You're so Greek-Italian. You know, this is awesome. You know, no, really, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's a great thing. Um... I'm so grateful to God for not sending me to hell. I should have been in hell. I'm so grateful to God for sending someone to talk to me on the street. And I'm so grateful to God for the body of Christ 
that has been ministering to me as a young believer and then later on and now as, a, as an older believer I can go and I can, like in Uganda I was able to, you know, challenge Dave McPherson. I said, where are the pastors? You're not working with pastors? So they put together the first pastors conference. We had 406 pastors and a hundred leaders besides the pastors and we were able to give them all Bibles and train them and now they just wrote me two days ago uh, would you come and we have 600 new guys that want to come and we want to sit under your I'm going to teach them the book of Romans and transformation what it means and, uh, and, 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 and they want now they found that they sent the tapes to the Congo they want me to go to the Congo but it's dangerous in the Congo so okay here I go you know they got another group of guys and my wife says please don't go this time to the Congo go to following time. You know what? The world is waiting for us, guys. And I was a drug addict, hippie, demon-possessed, an absolute piece of junk that God has transformed. And I'm telling you, he's waiting for you to give yourself to his word for him to transform you. Morning, noon, and night, I can't get enough of God's word. Sometimes one hour, sometimes ten hours, sometimes three days. I cannot get enough of the words of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, I am thrilled. I hated Greek school. I hated it. I used to go to Greek school as a kid. I'm ADDD before they defined it. And, and I go from junior high school. My mother makes me go to Greek school. Geek school. You know, I, I'm going to Greek school. Ugh. And I, I, you know, and, 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 uh, while the kids were playing, I'm in Greek school. After school, I went to school. And I hated it. And then I got saved. And I thank God for the supernatural things and the sovereign plan of God because we do things that we don't like, we hate, we don't want to be a part of this and a part of that. has a plan. Stop kicking against the plan of God. Now I, th I thank God I could read Greek. I, I could speak Greek and I'm like I didn't know it was that important until I got saved huh you know Jesus is gonna speak Greek when we get to heaven you guys I know you think it's Puerto Rican or something else but you know uh, Spanish but I'm gonna tell you you say how do you know that pastor Tom how do you know Tom that he because he says he's the Alpha and the Omega come on that's the Greek language Right. Okay, I'm joking around. Relax. <laughs> I love the church because we could actually joke around here. Now, I was uh, at our camps. We reached about two. You know, we reached about twenty thousand people for those twelve years, and we have these beautiful. I mean, beautiful lake. How many of you men have been up there for a men's retreat? Anybody? Anybody? You. you several of you have been up there. Three and a half years ago, December 20th, there was a fire. One house burned down, two of the young men were up. It was around 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. Two of our young men that were there, both are now in the ministry. Their whole house burned down, one of our houses. Two days later, the administration building, there was that freeze, that heavy freeze, and it broke the, the, the cable, the electric cables, the city cables, and it was shooting 30 foot, you know, electric cables were shooting electricity like this, boom, boom, and it hit our administration building. Burned everything down. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm slow, but I, I can get a message if it happens twice in a row in two days. Yahweh was trying to get my attention. This was not a burning bush. This was a burning building and a burning building. All our records, all of our administration, everything in there. I stood out there and I started crying because God was speaking to me through the fire. It's like, it's just no, no different than when he spoke to Moses. I was out there I thought, what do you want from me, Lord? I don't know what you want. What are you saying? This is incredible. He said, Tom, turn the page. Don't worry about it. Preach the gospel. 
It was like it came right, like a lightning bolt from heaven, Steve. I said, preach the gospel. The most valuable thing I have is the gospel. That Christ died on the cross, he was buried, he arose again from the dead. He wants me to go to as many people, to as many countries, to as many as fast as I can and preach the gospel. Since that day, I've been preaching to millions of people across the globe. The gospel. God's been opening the doors. He's been financing it. He just, he does it. I want you to turn now to Matthew 28, please. Matthew 28, verse 16. The Bible says, in Matthew chapter 28, Beginning with verse 16. The eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountains which Jesus had des designated. How many disciples were, were there? Eleven. How many? Eleven. eleven. There's eleven disciples. Everybody with me? They're at the mountain that Jesus had predetermined that they go. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Now I'm not going to preach the first point because your pastor gave me the, a new first point. What was that, Steve? What was the new first point? Oh, the person. The person of Jesus. The Bible says here in verse 70, when they saw him, they worshipped him. I love this word worship. Proskinevo. It means to literally a dog licking the hand of its master. My son has two, two uh, dogs. They're, they're um, um, what's the species? Pitbulls, yeah, that's, those are the ones nobody likes. I didn't like these dogs. I just didn't like them. But they, you know, I love my son. And they're his dogs. And, I, and he would see how I would treat his dogs. So after a while I said, man, I better treat these dogs nice. I started treating them nice for my son's sake. Even though I didn't like them. Now the dogs come around me and they lick my hands. They love me. And I love these dogs. I got to tell you, I love these dogs. I didn't like these dogs. Now I love these dogs. And I'm, I don't want to tell my son. But they come around me and I start playing with one of them. I go, ooh. And the dog starts going, ooh, like that. <laughs> Talking to me. So much fun. You see, when you love someone, you're willing to love what they love, even though you don't like them. You may have a neighbor you don't like. You may have a cousin you don't, you may have a work person that you don't like, but Jesus loves them. Do you get the point? How much do you love Jesus? That will demonstrate in how you love these people that he loves. The word worship means to lick the hand. So some of them did that. Notice verse 17. But notice it says some were doubtful. Now, how many were doubtful? We're not told. We know it's more than one, right? Right? Yes. I, you, I want your response. Come on. You, you, you know, you, you got to respond better than yes, one person. <laughs> I mean, your pastor had to get up here and wake you up this morning to remind you that you're Pentecostal and you love Jesus. And then you started, you started acting up a little. That's right, brother. All I'm going to tell you is that some means more than one. It could be two. It could be three. It could be four even. We're not told how many. But these were the 11 who saw him. Walk on water. Who saw him call Lazarus come forth and he came forth. Clean the lepers and open the eyes of the blind. We're talking about the 11 that saw him take the fish and the bread and break it and pray. And, and they were a part of feeding the multitudes. And three years later they're still doubting. You know, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. Do you ever doubt God, because you've lost your job, 
or because your son is on drugs or because your daughter gets pregnant or because uh, you know you can't pay your bills or because you get cancer and you all of a sudden you know now you're gonna you know I don't know I don't know if I can trust you now now you really blew it now <laughs> So what does God do? Jesus Christ gives us the most important stuff to those who doubt. I know he was speaking to the faithful and these others were faithful too, but they needed to be picked up. They needed a little encouragement. Amen. Every once in a while we need encouragement. And he gives them three things. Number one, he gives them his power to encourage them to say, hey, come on, who's talking to you here? Then he gives them his plan and third, he gives them the promise. Okay, is that simple? You can put it down there. Of course, Pastor Steve wants you to remember the person of Jesus. Then, the power of Jesus. Then, and he's going to preach about the person, I'm sure. He's going to do that himself. And then, and then the uh, plan of Jesus to make disciples. And then, the promise of Jesus. Ego, and me. In the Koine Greek, it was ego and me. In modern Greek, it's ego I am what I told God, what God told Moses in Exodus 3 through the fiery bush, what God told me up there in the mountain in Ulster Park at our camps when the building was burning and he said, I am talking to you, go and preach the gospel. Look at it. First of all, he used the word exousia, all exousia, all authority. Go to the next slide. Go to the next slide. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Next, right here. There are 16 different Greek words he could have used. He used one that meant executive authority, ultimate authority in terms of heaven, earth, and even under the earth, Philippians chapter 2 says. Look, go to the next slide after this. You'll see there's 16 words for power, different kinds of power. You know, he's got, uh, it's got our he, which is ark, like an archangel. That's, that's like the top angel or top first. Our he is the word that means first. You've got uh, that. You've got his which is ability, physical strength, and ability. I can't see it that way, so I got to turn. Uh, kratos, which is, we, it comes from the word kratao, which means to hold, but it's also the word for country in Greek. It's what holds the power. Okay, you understand? That's a different word. And then uh, the word megalotis, which is greatness or mighty power, energia, which is energy flowing through. That's another word for power. And uh, Simeon sign, which is in John chapter, uh, you know, all the way through John, there are seven signs that he gives there of his great power. Okay, you understand? These are signs that he is God in the flesh. These are simia, which is like a post or a sign going on a highway. Get off right here, the valley stream. Well, these days you have an iPhone, so it tells you how to do it. Okay, teras, megalia, endexi, paradoxi, thavmasi. Thavmasi is miracle power. Thavma is a miracle. Huh? But we're going to go back one. It is the word exousia. It is the executive authority. We're going to go back. Back one slide. It is the authority of the president as opposed to the commander in a battleship. The battleship's got power. Boom, to knock you down. The president's got power to annihilate you. The president's authority, exousia, gives out the, the instruction. A better way might be that you have the referee and the linebacker. The linebacker can knock you down. The referee can knock you out of the game. You see, exu Jesus says, I have all exousia. What are you afraid of? I am the ultimate authority. I have the authority in heaven. All of heaven, all of earth, and under the earth. I have the authority. I'm sending you out now. But I've got all the authority. Number two, he gives us his plan. I'm not preaching on these. I want to get to the last one. The plan, keep going. Next. 
The plan is to go and make disciples. Now there is one noun with three adverbs, meaning the whole plan is disciple making. So you become a disciple and then your whole mission is to make disciples. That will make disciples. You understand? That's the plan. The plan is not to just go out and share the gospel. No, there are three things here. There's going, there's baptizing, and there's teaching. And that's part of what disciple making is. You see, disciple making is you going, but it doesn't mean go on Tuesday night for soul winning. You're not going on Thursday night for visitation. That's nowhere taught in the Bible. What? That's right. You know what it does teach? That as you move about doing your business, everyday life, it's lifestyle evangelism. You're going to the doctor, you're going to the dentist, you're going to your job, you're, you know, you're taking out the garbage, you meet your neighbor. As you go, you're sharing the gospel. And the second point is that you're now not only sharing the gospel and leading that person to Christ, praying with them and helping them to understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again, that he took their sins on the cross and paid with his own life a propitiatory sacrifice, a satisfactory sacrifice for their sins. People need to know God loves them so much. He doesn't want to condemn them. He wants to forgive them. But they also need to know how he does that. Through Jesus Christ, by faith, that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. You see. And so when we do this, then we express that publicly through baptism. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what baptism is. It's really highlighting the gospel. So the first point is the process of how we do it. It's as we go, wherever we go. The second point is that I am leading them to Christ. And now I'm bringing them to church so that they can now invite their relatives and friends. And we can tell everyone that Christ died for my sins, was buried, and arose again through public baptism. Water baptism. Okay? And then the third thing is teaching them everything. How to tithe, how to pray, how to study the Bible, how to walk with God, how to be transformed. Amen? That's what a disciple is. And by the way, he didn't say manfano, which means to teach somebody without a teacher. Could be through a letter, through a video, whatever. No, it's life online learning. It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's someone who is taking a mentor who takes a mentee over, uh, you know, uh, on his watch and is responsible and sticks with them until they grow. It's, it's what Jesus said, you know, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me because I'm meek and humble of heart. Take my yoke so that an, an older bullock would be placed with a younger bullock so that the younger one would learn from the older one how to do it. And a lot of the times the older people in the church, you look at the younger people, you're like, man, I don't understand these people. Well, why don't you disciple them and love them? Take them out to eat, you got more money. <laughs> Pay for it when you go to a restaurant. Be generous. Spend time with them. Play ball with them. Go and watch a movie, the movie that they talked about here with them. I mean, all right, next, next point, last point. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to lose track of time here. I got about four minutes, I think. Oh my goodness. Now look what it says here. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, ego and me, I am. Egoime, I am with you wherever you go. Now, it's interesting, in, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That is cosmos. Go in, it's a cosmic gospel. But here it's not cosmos, it's eonas. There are different words for world in Greek. Eonas mean, means aeons. You know, through, it's an eternal word. It's really highlighting the I am. What Jesus is saying here is what God told Moses. Look at way back. In fact, let me just show you a couple of passages. Look at John chapter 8. Look at John chapter 8. Could you go there? Look at this passage. 
John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is really plowing into the Pharisees. They're accusing him for being, uh, you know, demon-possessed. They, they make all kinds of accusations. Finally, he says in verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And tonight, by the way, I'll explain a little bit more about this, because this is a key on how to share the gospel with Muslims. Go back to Abraham. That's the key. I've done this with thousands of Muslims. I have been to Muslim countries. I'm not afraid to talk to them because I understand where they're coming from. They believe that the Old and New Testament are corrupted and that only the Quran is pure. So guess what? I don't talk about the Quran, the Old Testament, the New Testament. I don't talk about any of that. I have a better plan. Since they're not open to it, God has given us clarity on how to go a different way. I'm going to talk about that tonight. I've asked Ali Karti and Abdelazim, who's the Muslim, president of the Muslim uh, Association in America, I've asked him, what did God say to Abraham? That Abraham believed and it was reckoned as righteousness. Because they believe that because the Quran says that. We believe that because the New Testament, the Old Testament says that. But there was no Quran and there was no Old Testament. There was no New Testament where that was said. Why? Because that was 400 years before Moses wrote Genesis. So how did God speak to Abraham? We're going to talk about that. Wouldn't you like to know how to explain that? So be back tonight. This is an advertisement for tonight. Be back tonight. Okay? I mean, you need to know. You need to know how it works. And uh, in John's Gospel, Jesus told the Pharisees before Abraham was, I am. Jesus answered, verse 58, Truly, truly, I mean, I mean, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. What did they believe he meant? They believed he meant he was Yahweh. The word I am is the Hebrew word Yahweh, the Y-H-W-H. -H. It's called the tetragrammation or tetragram. Tesserai in Greek is four. Tetragram means the four letters that make up the name of God, Yahweh, which is the most used in the Bible it is 6,800 times used in the Bible, that word. But wrongly translated, people thought it was supposed to be Jehovah. Wrongly translated, I'll explain that as well. The Masorites in 800 AD were translating this name and they, and they uh, came up with uh, uh, Jehovah. And then later on, a guy named Galatians, a theologian, uh, brought it back 1800s and they were trying to go back to the Masorites thinking that they were actually being correct when they were not correct. Are you listening to me? And then they, they took the vowels from, uh, from Adonai and they put them with the consonants of uh, Yahweh. This, and I'm not pronouncing it right because we don't know how it's pronounced because 70 AD the temple was destroyed and only the priests knew how it was supposed to be pronounced. Actually, it's a breathing word. In other words, some, some theologians, some people have said it's, it's the first thing you say when you're born, it's the last thing you say when you die. Even before you know anything about God, this is what it sounds like. Yeah, why? It's the name of, the covenant name of God. When it says Jehovah Jireh in your Bible, it's Yahweh Jireh. It's Yahweh Titganu. It's Yahweh Rafa. It's Yahweh Ro. It's Yahweh Shalom. We understand all those aspects of God, of peace, of righteousness, of war, of the battle that He fights, of provision, His personal covenant name that He was giving to Abraham. He said this again to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. You could look at Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, God speaks to Moses from the burning bush, like he talked to me up there from the burning houses. See, I, I don't listen as good as Moses. He had to burn one house down, and then he burned another house down. He says, uh, do you get it now? I, I, I'm slow. Something, maybe you're like me. I don't know. Maybe you're like me. God has to repeat some things in your life before you get the point. Can I hear an Amen. Amen. Oh man, I'm like that. But I want to get the point. And then it says in uh, Exodus in chapter 3, 
In verse 13, Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. It means I am the, the eternal self-existing one. This is what this means. I am the eternal self-existing one, and this eternal self-existing one became flesh, John chapter 1 and verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And further than that, when Jesus hushed the waters, when Jesus told the winds and the waves to hush and be still, you know he used, he used I am. Yes, he did. Matthew chapter 14. He again spoke to the Pharisees this way. They took up stones to kill him because this guy's a man and he's making himself to be Yahweh. God. And he just went, took off. Now he comes to Matthew 28 and the promise he leaves us with the Great Commission, the most important thing we've got to do. He doesn't, look, look at the, uh, go, go, uh, go back one if you would, just, just go back one. Uh, no, no, not that one. No, 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 go, go forward then. Go forward, go forward, go forward. Right there. Nope, you just missed it. Right there. You see, he gives different promises in the different Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. He gives different promises so we would be encouraged to go. But the one that he gives in Matthew is his presence, and it's to the Jews. In Mark, it's his protection. In Luke, it's his program. Uh, in, uh, in Luke, it's uh, his pardon, excuse me. In John, it's his peace, and in Acts, it's his power. These are promises. These are promises. I'm just dealing with the first one. He says, and I'm with you. I am. Yahweh is with you. What do you need when you go to share the gospel? What do you need when you're in a store and God's spirit is speaking to you and you're, you're going to start talking about it? He's with you. He's with you. He will put the words in your mouth. Don't be afraid. Speak for him. You're here in this world for that purpose. I mean, really, what is it that we're going to do here? Get another house, get another car. What are we doing here? We are here as representatives of Yahweh. His name is Jesus. Amen. In the flesh. Now, the last verse I will share. And look, this, you, you, you must be willing to do this. I, I, I willing, I, I'm having a blast. It's so much fun. Sharing the gospel. So here he says in Matthew chapter 12, the last verse. If we could go to Matthew chapter 12, the last one, one more, forward. Right there, he who is not with me is against me, and he who is scattering. If, if you're not, if, if, he says, he who is not with me is against me, and he who is not gathering is scattering. But you have to make a commitment today. That's all there is to it. You have to make a commitment that it's not about finding a job. It's not about you, uh, uh, some other human purpose. The, 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 the word is choked. How? Mark chapter 4. The worries of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You see, Satan's got us on all these distractions, man. He does. Your goal and your mission in this life. And it could be ministry that's distracting you, believe it or not. It was for me. I'm over here doing camps and doing all this stuff. And God had to burn it down to let me hear, hey, you know what? Something's better than your program. It's just preach the gospel. Get the gospel out to people that haven't heard because I'm an evangelist. So I said, okay, okay, okay. Let somebody else come and run these camps. And I've just been waiting. And now the 18th of the month, I'm going to speak to the people that run the biggest camps in America. And I'm praying they come and take it over. How's that? You pray for that too. I'm excited. Because it isn't my camp, it isn't my church, it isn't my house, it isn't my building. It all belongs to Jesus. Your car is not your car. You know that, right? You know that, right? Your time is not your time. You know that, right? Like tonight when you're going to learn how to evangelize, it's not your time. If he wants you to learn how to talk to Jewish people, come back. If you don't know how to speak to Catholic people effectively, if you've not led hundreds of people to Christ, you can. You can. 
You have to just commit yourself to that purpose and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to learn. How do you want me to do it? Okay? This is another advertisement, by the way, just in case you didn't get that. Muslims, it's, it, you have to know how to do it. It's simple. Come on back and learn. Now, I'm going to give an invitation. And what can I tell you? If you're on fire for God, if you're sharing the gospel on a daily basis, if you're doing it all, you know, I, I just tell you, just put your hands up and say, okay, Jesus, keep me going like this. If you need some revival going on in your heart, if you need God to shake you up with your money, with your time, with your friends, with your habits, with the movies you watch, with the stuff you're doing in your life, if you need to have a revival today in your soul, why don't you come right now? And the people that are, that are in the worship team are going to come. They're going to play some. Why don't you come right now? If you think I'm getting passionate and excited, it's because there are people dying everywhere, man. There are people next to you that are waiting for you. But we're so wrapped up with the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things chokes the word. These poor widows, they don't have shoes, food. The guy that was translating, that was singing that song, I told him I wanted to have dinner with him and his wife at the end of the conference. The guy had never asked me for a dime, not once. What a humble servant of God, Steve. Young man. I didn't see any car, so I asked him, I said, how did you get here with your wife? His wife had a beautiful, long dress. I mean, just gorgeous. I said, how'd you get here? He said, well, I just drove, I, I just, my bicycle. His wife sat on the bicycle in the pitch dark. I mean, it was just dark. And they humble little couple came out. We got so much, man. We got so much. Sometimes there's no cold, uh, no hot water. And we're like, oh, you know. I didn't have cold water there sometimes. And I thought to myself, all those 3,400 widows, where did they shower? I was trying to think about this. They just showered, you know, find some water wherever. We are so stinking spoiled, man. You want your powder baths and you want your stuff in the water and you, you know. Yesterday I went and took my wife to have a, uh, a pedicure. I had one too. I, I, I'm confessing over here. Okay, so I'm sitting there. We had a couple of bagels. We're sitting there having a pedicure, eating a couple. I, I got lox and bagels, and, and, and she's over there, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the people back in Lira. The little things are big things. The little things are humongous things. But we don't know them because we've had them all our life. So I'm going to ask you to slip out this morning and get a revival going in your heart. You need to be a voice for Jesus. You need to be a messenger of the gospel. You need to fall on your face and say, Lord, I need to know how to share the gospel better. Show me how, Lord. Show me how, Lord. I commit myself, my time, my money, my family, my children, my car, my house. It's yours. I'm a slave and you're the Lord. I'm yours. Whatever time you have. Just if you need to kneel, fine. If you need to just come, fine. Come. Come, church. There are people downstairs. There are people up in the balcony. We're waiting for you. This is for Christians. God is coming through Bethlehem Assembly. Which means to again bring back the fire. Ana means again. Zo is life. Piros is fire. When Paul told Timothy, fan the flame. Second Timothy 1. Bring back the fire. Sometimes it gets dim, so you got to go to a fireplace and you got to put some more logs in and get it going. Come on, Christian. Are you on fire for God? That's what I'm talking about. Are you on fire for God? Are you on fire with His gospel? Are you sharing the gospel with your neighbors, with your friends? People are dying. Today there's a funeral going on in Jersey. One of our guys from our drug rehab, heroin addicts, 26 years old, gone. He didn't know he was going to die at the age of 26. There is a cause. There is a reason to get stirred up. Teenagers are dying. Young adults are dying. You have the message. They're sleeping around. They're doing porn. They're doing all kinds of crud. Homosexuality, lesbianism. They're going to things because they haven't heard 
the gospel from you, from me. Any others need to come. Let's all stand, church. Let's all stand. Listen, God's moving here. I'm going to turn it over to your pastor in a moment. Maybe you're here today and you say, Tom, I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. I come to church. I'm not really sure if I drop dead today that I would be with God. Pray for me. Pray for me. Today I want Jesus to be my Savior. Anyone up, up in the balcony, anyone down here, I'll pray for you. Just put your hand up. Put it up high. Put, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Man, several dozen people. Thank you. Put your hands down. Now listen, you guys that put your hand up, I'm going to take just 30 seconds. Here's what I want you to do. Those of you that are praying to make sure that you belong to Jesus. Here's how simple it is. You say to God, Father God. You say it to Him verbally. Father God. Thank You for loving me. Jesus. Thank You for dying on the cross for me. I confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner. I believe in my heart that You died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. I believe you rose again physically from the dead. Teach me the word of God. Use me to go out and tell others about you and your great love. Now if you meant that prayer, listen, make sure you come by and tell me, tell your pastor, tell somebody Begin to share with others what Christ is doing in your life. I want to pray for those that have come. Father God, thank you for these men and women. Thank you, God, for the anointing that is falling on their life because they are confessing to you that they need a revival in their soul. We are committing ourselves afresh, Lord, to the two and a half billion people that have not even heard the gospel. That's, that's incredible. That, I, that right now on this planet it's spinning, it's spinning and there are two and a half billion people have not even heard about you would you send them Lord to those that have never heard would you send them right here in New York City to their neighbors right here Lord to the people they work with God empower them, revive them put them aflame for you oh God today anoint them with the power the dynamis of the the Holy Spirit the dynamis Thank you that you have the exousia. You've already told us to go. You already promised that Yahweh will be with us wherever we go. On into eternity. I pray a special, powerful ministry in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Steve. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, my sister. We run around. Hallelujah. You want to really listen to me. I, I have to tell you, your pastor. I know we're busy, but we need to be trained on how to share the gospel. So I want you to go home, get some good rest, come back at 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock tonight. And what's exciting about this is that we've got some great handouts for you to be able to take notes. And we're going to do 40-minute sessions with questions and answers. Uh, I was just talking to, to Tom for a few moments and I said, man, I can't wait for tonight because I've been having a burden lately to share the gospel with two different people, two different groups of people, Jewish people and Muslims. And we're seeing God reach out to different groups of people. And so I've been reading a lot myself. I've been so hungry to say, Lord God, use me in these areas. And so let's go, let's go home today, get some good rest, come back tonight and be trained on how to reach out to people. You know, James chapter 5. Let the man understand this one thing. He that seeks and helps a wandering person come back to the Lord will save him from death and cover a multitude of sin. Save him from death and cover a multitude of sin. That's a powerful verse. You go home and soak that in a little bit. Come back tonight. We'll see you at 6 o'clock. God bless you. Have a great night. God bless you. We love you.